Do you ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see, Thanks, Mr. Uh, now look, here's I a house full of bees. You think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. I do. One man band, Bob Log the Third. You heard of him? No, you got me. Uh, he's on a was on a label called Fat Possum Records, mm-hmm. who, which was started by this dude in Alabama. I want to say uh, who found all these awesome blues musicians down there uh, that weren't really like signed any labels. Like R.L. Burnside, probably the most famous one. Okay. Junior Kimbra, all these. Uh, old blues musicians that were really badass but didn't have a, anyone representing them or putting their music out. Is there a documentary made about this guy? I don't know. If okay. there is, I'd like to see it. But yeah. he took his student loan money that he got and just Good man. Good blew man. it on starting a record label called Fat Possum Records. <laughs> and this guy, Bob Log Third, he wears a uh, like a fighter pilot helmet that the screen is cut out and it has a telephone stuck in there and he uses a telephone for his nice. mic. And he's a one-man band, guitar and, and drums. And uh, that song is called Clap Your Tits. And <laughs> during the live performances, he usually gets a few women up on stage and they oh, actually <laughs> clap their tits into the microphone. <laughs> Which you can hear in that song. If you go back and listen to the whole thing, there's a section where you uh, can hear the tit clapping going on, which is... You know, it's pretty amazing. Not done very often. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I that's I I can really um, identify with the story because uh, I did the same thing with my student loan money when <laughs> nice. I was going to Sonoma State, and I got my this student loan check and immediately went to recording my half-assed hardcore band and f- financing tours and putting out records, which is the only thing that that was pretty much the reason I went to college wow, I can get like student loan money and then put out records and then go on shitty tours. Who would regret that? Not me at this age. No way. No. How could you? Yeah. I mean, especially, I'm sure Joe Biden's going to take care of that for yeah. you. And by Joe Biden, I mean uh, myself and Mike and uh, your average My concrete guy, plumbers, and crane and, operator yeah. and the, the landscaper. <laughs> So uh, somebody sent me a really cool uh, video that is right up our free driving alley. I'm going to play it for you. Nice. Any attempt to restrict drinking and driving here is viewed by some as downright undemocratic. 
it's kind of getting common just when a fella can't put in a hard day's work, put in 11, 12 hours a day, and then get in your truck and at least run one or two beers. They're making it laws <laughs> where you can't drink when you want to. You, can't, you have to wear a seat belt when you're driving. And pretty soon we're going to be calm in this country. You know, <laughs> that was from Doug. Thank you, Doug. Uh, I got to say, I and the the wife told me uh, I got to stop talking about drinking and driving on the podcast because my clients might hear it and think that I'm driving around <laughs> drunk. And I really don't care because <laughs> I I firmly I believe in free driving mm-hmm. in principle. The, mm-hmm. And the principle is if I'm not putting anyone else in danger, very true. And if I'm not inconveniencing anyone, then I should do what I want to do to get to my destination as efficiently or in, and in the manner that I see fit, right? Yeah. And if I'm drinking, even if the law, even if I keep, well, we've said this before, even if I keep under a uh, .08, whatever right. the, the blood alcohol level is supposed to be. So now we're talking about the, the open container. There is no reason why I can't yeah. have, like this guy saying, get done with a hard day's work, have a beer or two on the way home. I think we What's should the also- big deal? I don't know. I would argue that I think there's a strong argument against the in California's point zero eight, which is two beers, one and a half beers for like, girly men. Yes, and I think you, you and I like, might take a few are more. You able than to two. functionally safely operate an automobile after two beers, dude? I could okay. give brain surgery after two beers. <laughs> <laughs> two beers is nothing. <laughs> I'm gonna hold you to that someday. Okay, yeah. Mark my words. <laughs> I just I'm thinking that um I don't want to sound like back in my day guy, but I remember my dad washing his old school like seventy-four ranchero that he just kept his thing pristine and he'd wash it in the driveway and then he would want to dry it off because we lived out in the country. I mean way out in the country, there's no sidewalks, no anything. And um he would load us all in the back, beer between his legs, and race up and down the country roads so he could dry it off, get like a, the wind dried finish. Yeah, that's my. Here I am, still alive. My stepdad used to do the same thing in our suburban neighborhood. Okay, that's a little different. <laughs> Pissed my mom off. God, I might be. I, I don't see us very often. I might be with your mom. On I, this one. I'm. I think I might be also. I know. I know. She did every once in a while. She did have a few decent points. <laughs> Yeah, I don't consider, like, if kids are diving out of the way of your car, then you are outside the bounds <laughs> yeah. of free driving. <laughs> You're putting people at risk. Yes, at yes, point. exactly. So uh, I was talking to uh, your wife mm-hmm. the other day. She told me you guys went over to uh, her p- folks' house right, and uh, watched the Grammys. <laughs> uh, yes. Is I this was, true? I was subjected to that uh Decay of culture okay. shit show. Yeah. All right. So the rumor is true. You watched the Grammys. I watched 10 minutes of it, I got to say. All right. Okay, 15. Uh-huh. Okay. It was a good show. I knew you liked it. <laughs> I knew it. Yay! Sam Smith can dance. <laughs> What's the problem? Uh, so uh, it, it is... Uh, I actually, we went over there. Okay, we have this weird phenomenon in my wife's family and myself. All of our birthdays are this month. Yeah. All of our birthdays. It's fucking, it's kind of, it's, it's very strange. And your ex-wife and you used to have the exact same birthday. The exact same birthday. And my wife, now her birthday is the day after mine. Right. 
which is odd. And there was a chance that your son would have been born in that exact same when, not to put too fine a point on it, that's what we were aiming for. I was like, if he could be... When you were procreating? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if we could shoot for him to be born February 5th, like how badass would that be? Just oh. three birthdays stacked up. You guys would be legends. Yes. Well, not to be selfish, but like that's just two more things I don't have to remember anymore. That's a good point. It's like, you know what I mean? It's Great all point. kind of chambered. Uh, as Mother Nature would have it. He was a month after that because he was born late, big boy. Yep. But um, so, yeah, we went over and watched the Grammys, and I didn't know we were going to do that. My wife said, like, hey, let's go say hi. It's someone's birthday <laughs> right today, obviously. We should go over there. And, yeah, we watched some of the Grammys. It's just it's a, it's a fragment of society that I just I cannot – I just I can't wrap my head around I never could like at no point in my life was like, oh, I used to be into this. I was like, yeah. I never, I never, I didn't understand when I was a kid. I don't understand it now. Yeah. It's like some weird ass person dressed up like a fucking clown, lip syncing, and then people jumping on their sh- seats and with tears in their eyes about this movie performance. Like this is, this is pre-recorded music. Yeah, it's a pre-recorded vocal track. It's it's the it's the epitome of bread and circuses. You could tell that the people who are being enthusiastic are not doing so genuinely. No, what they're doing is trying to get a moment in the camera because, like, I'm also like, you know, up and coming DJ Khaled or whatever that shit fuck's name is. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Okay, let's talk about a lack of fucking musical talent and no fucking like <laughs> bring something nothing to the fucking table. That fucking shit bag. That dude is a fucking zero, and I don't know. Whose dick he sucked to get where he is now, but it is fucking amazing. I mean, hats off to him, dude. Like no talent, like no no ideas, like no direction, no no vision, no anything. Yeah, and you are a multimillionaire, man. By yeah. you do nothing but play pre-recorded music, and every once in a while, just go like, we could do it. Maybe we should do more of that. Yes, yeah. More we clearly <laughs> here I am like a sucker fucking building houses. We can do for, it. <laughs> building houses for a living. Yeah. Thing I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm providing a house for someone. I'm building their dream. This is great. And this guy, I just, okay. I don't want to go on a rant. You're sounding a little socialist there, my friend. Yes, I yes. got to tell you. You're slipping. No, I do. Hats <laughs> off. Hats off to that guy. I, I, I begrudgingly admire him. So, uh Joy Reed watched the uh the Grammys. And she had this to say. Oh, before we go there, before <laughs> this I play definitely this, definitely <laughs> won't make me angry. Uh, I apologize for the uh, the uh, audio. Might be, sound a little rough on this one. The FBI has been circling the compound all day in helicopters. So if you hear that, that's that's what that is. Um, apparently, this was the highest rated Grammys in three years. Was it? Hmm. More on that later. So it was unlike the State of the Union speech <laughs> that I also was subjected to. All right, here's Joy Reid with a uh, quite the take. I hadn't watched in years, but I actually really enjoyed it. Hold on. Just because I know you love her voice, I'm going to play that again for you. It's like an ice pick in my brain. <laughs> I hadn't watched in years, but I actually really enjoyed it. Although I'm not sure everybody else did. It was, to put it mildly, a celebration of the very thing the American right has turned into its latest anti-wokeness boogeyman, diversity, equity, and inclusion. 
The show opened with Puerto Rican singer Bad Bunny singing 99% in Spanish. Then host Trevor Noah walked and talked through a room that was diversity, equity, and inclusion in human form. The first country Americana artist to perform, Brandi Carlisle, was introduced by her wife and daughters. We saw the first trans artist win a Grammy, Kim Petras, who has a hit song with Sam Smith, the British singer who came out in 2019 as non-binary. Black acting superstar Viola Davis became an EGOT, winning a Grammy to add to her Golden Globe, Oscar, and Tony Awards. Lizzo I don't know what I don't know. She's in choir of many sized singers. Beyonce took home her Wait, third she say many size? to become the most Grammy decorated singer of all time. Besting, and I had to look this up, Hungarian British conductor George Solti. Record of the year went to Harry Styles, a British male singer who frequently puts on dresses to pose in magazines and is a sex symbol to women and men because of it. No, and isn't. there was a 15 minute epic tribute to the 50th anniversary of hip hop. So, yeah. The culture wars are over, and the left won. Like, total defeat. <laughs> you can only imagine the head exploding in red states. I imagine Ron is somewhere stalking through his governor's mansion trying to figure out how to ban the airing of the Grammys in Florida and take away CBS's tax exemptions. No educational value, queer theory, black music. Blah. It's a helpful reminder that despite the almost hysterical war the right is waging to take the culture back to the John Wayne era, they are not just losing. They literally cannot win. Cultural progression is relentless. Once people get a taste of modernity, they almost never go back willingly. Okay. So apparently the culture war got, is over. I just got really tired. And the left won. <laughs> That's it. Just pack up your bags and go home. Uh, I will say that they did do, what, what, what anniversary hip hop was it? 50th, you 50th, said. 50th, yeah. That was badass. And I just, I just want to like, give myself kudos. I called, I think, three out of the, I think there was 10, 12 acts that were going to come up next. And my parents are like, because they just figured like, ah, you probably don't listen to hip hop. But I did. I grew up on a bunch of old hip hop. Yeah. I was like, next is going to be Public Enemy. And Public Enemy came on. No shit. They're like, How do you know that? I was like, I just it makes sense because they're well, they're, they're going through a linear I think, I mean, a lineal progression yeah. of like <laughs> you know with the the, the, the hip hop because back then we've talked about this before, but hip hop was punk rock back then. So you had like Kumo D and Ice T was also and then Public Enemy, yep. uh, Too Short, all that stuff. That was it was underground music just like punk rock was. And yeah. if you were into skateboarding, skateboarding and punk rock, like yeah. you were <clears throat> deep into hip hop too. That old stuff. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because what you're kind of describing is a scene where the white kids, the punk rockers, and the black kids, the hip hoppers, were all kind of uh, enjoying each other's music despite right. their obvious racism that they, well, that the white guys had against the black guys. Right, yeah. Right? So what she said there is so hilarious that heads in red states were exploding because of all this stuff. And the way that you just put that is just so perfect. <laughs> Because we don't care about the Puerto Rican guys singing in Spanish. We no. like the Spanish language. I speak Spanish. Yes. We like Spanish music, right? We don't care about people cross-dressing or, we don't, or trans people. Yeah. And she said, black music, blah. That was her quote, right? right? We love black music, right? The problem we have is having shit forced down our throats mm -hmm. that w even if it's no good. 
Yeah. Like you have to enjoy this. You have to accept this. It's Black History Month. Every single show on Netflix has to be a black show. Right. You know, that's what we don't want is having this stuff forced upon us. But all the stuff that you described, a lesbian country singer, that's great. We don't have a problem with Trevor Noah. Who gives a shit? Is the music good or not? That's, exactly. That's, that's all I care about. It's the Grammys. It's about music. And her thing about like Trevor Noah was, you know, like like he's supposed to be some uh, model of diversity that we should all right. appreciate. None of us have a problem with Trevor Noah. What we have a problem with is that he's not funny, right? That he sucks at his job. And he got his job at The Daily Show out of a, an affirmative action hire, basically. That's what we don't like. You're forcing us to watch Trevor Noah. We used to like watching Jon Stewart when he was funny because he was funny. Now that he's not funny, we don't want to watch him anymore. Same thing with Trevor Noah. right? We don't have a problem with Lizzo. We have a problem with being told that a big fat person is attractive. And if you don't like that, then you're a bigot. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what she said is that the culture war is over. It's not quite accurate. <laughs> yes, I would, I would agree with that. So I told you before that the uh, that was the uh, record... Uh, viewership for the Grammys. Right. For set a three year yeah. record. So last year and the year before were worse than this year. Mm. But they were so bad that over the last 20 years, this year would have been the record worse if it wasn't for the horrible two years I'm, of I'm, prior. I'm kind of feeling a metaphor for uh, talking about inflation right now. <laughs> Inflation's getting better. This exactly. <laughs> exactly. Look, we brought the Grammys back. No, you didn't. You had 12 million viewers. All right. That is roughly equivalent to one episode of NCIS, which is a show that's also on CBS. That have you ever watched it? <laughs> no. <laughs> Never watched it either. Mike? Nope. Yeah. I don't even know what it stands for. I know it's a cop show because it's I you see commercials for it when you're watching football. And football is something that is actually popular. And has the culture by the balls. Mm-hmm. Sunday night football, Monday night football, and Thursday night football all have more viewership than the Grammys got. Mm-hmm. And the Grammys is what happens once a year. Right. Other shows that people tune into once a year, like the Super Bowl, for example, are 10 times more popular. Mm-hmm. So they, they get almost 100 million viewers. Right. So this stupid show that you're claiming was the epitome of what the boogeyman that the right is afraid of, of inclusion, diversity, and equity, was a fucking bomb. Mm-hmm. Just like all the other stuff that the left uh, trumpets as their, their kind of, uh, their woke uh, trophies, right? Yeah. Is that the right way to say it? Like, right, right. Like Ghostbusters uh-huh. that they did with all, the all chick cast. Oh, that was, a, that was a pretty successful movie, was it? Bombed. No, oh, did it? Total bomb. <laughs> Uh, Bros. You heard of that movie? Uh, was that like a gay bromance? Yeah, that's how that's how it was marketed. Yeah, supposed to be like if you're not a bigot, you'll watch this movie. And it full like like set records for bombing. Nobody watched it. <laughs> yeah, just awful. And all of the the stuff that you see, the stories that they put out are about how people are. America's not. It's America is a bigoted place because this movie bombed. It's like no, it's just not no. good. It's just it's just not what people want. The it, culture is not shifting over to all the stuff that the left says that we should be shifting to, and that's the key. Is that what's happening? Is they're telling us that this is where we should be, and we're not there. Mm-hmm. You turn on the news, and <clears throat> the news says you need to be here, and if you're not, 
you're a bigot. And what people, but what's actually happening is just people aren't there. People are drifting away from the news. People are drifting away from this left culture. So that's kind of interesting. So what you're saying is what stood out to me about this, uh, who's this, Joy Reid? Is that her name? Yeah. It's so ironic. Her name's Joy, by the way. I know. <laughs> a miserable person. <laughs> is, okay, first and foremost, the thing, I've never heard this clip, but the first thing that popped in my mind is that she, from where I stand, is waging a war against an abstraction that she created completely in her head. When she's talking about like, oh, all these people, their heads are exploding that this is going on. It's like, no, nah, it's just, I, I don't know. When we called the walk out the front door test, when I walked, you know, I was subjected to the Grammys. I was like, I don't, I don't want to watch this. And I remember my wife asked me, like, you're not into it? I was like, I just, I don't care. I just, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I don't care about celebrity. It's never interested in me. I don't pay attention. You know, I'm not into whatever pop music du jour is going on right now. It's just like, I, right. I think it's terrible music. It's vacuous. It's vapid. There's no quality to it. it was, it's it's yeah. based entirely on just media and a basically a self-fabricated like identity that they want to shove down your throats. And it's just, I mean, there's no difference between watching the Grammys and like just watching commercials all day on TV. Like, like what's the difference? What are the You're not unique. Yeah. No, I'm not. Apparently everyone else feels that way <laughs> yes. because it's ratings were dog shit. And also, so when you're talking, when you're referring to the notion of things being shoved down your throat, I know people are like, oh, like, what do you like this conservative snowflake or whatever? It's like, okay, well, let's just break down some numbers is to go through. I mean, I'm going off just a loose memory of what this Joy Reid was saying is like, was it at least half, I think a little over half of the artists she was, artists that she was referring to are all trans or non-binary that does not like in no way represent like what the population is at all. Correct. And I have no, I like, if you're trans, like, I don't care. That's fine. Yeah. That'd be a good person. If you're gay, don't care. Like, no, but if you're going to tell me that I don't want to date a but, trans woman because I'm a bigot. Right. It's like, no, I don't want to date any women that have penises. This is funny. That's what I don't want. I'm working with, I got to leave names out of this. Uh, I was working with two people who are on dating apps mm. and they're on like, I don't know, like the date, you know, I haven't dated in, 20 years. <laughs> it's like they, you know, you should date your wife. <laughs> they are, um, they just, at lunch, they just would scroll through their phones. Go like, no, yeah, no, yeah. And he's cute. And so no. I'm, I'm, I, uh, live vicariously. And like, we have this running game. I'm like, let me do the responses for you. Like, it's, it's, it's hilarious. You can watch this <laughs> stuff. But, um, like one in five, they look at it, they look at their screen and go like, uh, that's a dude. Okay. No, I'm like, you can't, you can't filter that out that you're not interested in dating dudes. And like, no, you can't on this site. I'm like, really? You can't specify in a dating app. Like I, I'm only interested in dating women. I was like, I couldn't, I was laughing my ass off. Can you specify other things like skin color? (laughs) Uh, that's a good question. I don't have no idea. Huh? I know you can make you can make your specification because you can do like age, location, uh, like non smoking, for example. You it would be hilarious if you could do everything but their sex. But, but their sex. <laughs> I was like, you guys can't. You big. He's like, oh, that's a dude. That uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's a dude. There's not. There's not like a filter for that. Like, nope. I, I, was, uh, I was like, that's unbelievable. That is. That's so not funny. surprising. 
It's exactly the same thing. So that's what Apparently we're. Apparently, you'd be thinking like I'm. I'm just, dude. Whatever, however you want to live your life, God bless you. It doesn't matter to me. I just. I don't want to have sex with another dude. You fucking asshole. I can't <laughs> you, believe you would say that. Oh my god. No you, pun intended. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> so this was like the greatest gaslight that I've ever heard. Her just sitting down and saying, ah, look at that. See, we won the culture war. All of this stuff happened on the Grammys, a terribly unpopular show that has lost popularity over time, and no one actually watched. But because these people were on the Grammys, we won the culture war. See, America? It's just come on over to our way of thinking. And everybody at home is just shaking their head going, no. No, just no, I, didn't, I didn't watch. I didn't. I don't like it. And so, when you in this war, and uh, well, this actual civil war that is brewing, according to people like um, Tim Pool and mm-hmm. whoever that fellow was on Liberty Lockdown today, mm-hmm. um, who wrote what was the name of the book? In case anyone wants to, uh, the the, Sum- the Sumter Gambit, yeah. Fort Sumner, Sumner, Sumner Gambit, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is basically about how the left is trying to start a civil war with us, right? It was what they are doing is well. So go ahead, summarize it. Uh, Probably about to paraphrase about what you were just saying, but he was. I thought he had an interesting perspective on it, and it's when we talk about the the notion of a civil war, he was putting it within the parameters of, it's not like one side aggressing on the other. It's like, we've talked about this in other podcasts. It's about someone provoking, provoking, provoking. Yeah. They get a reaction and they go like, see, these people are fucking they're, psychopaths. This they're looking for their- have been talking about this whole time. Fort Sumner. The, the, the perfect, yeah, that's why you called it that. And, and within our recent history, like January 6th would have been the perfect yeah. metaphor for that, which and he you talks know about quite a bit in the book. Yeah. This is what I thought about when, with the January 6th thing. The people that got arrested for January 6th are suffering, and it's very unfortunate for them. And yeah, there's still people we should We should do everything we can to help those people, and if you can support them. Gavin McInnes actually has uh, some fundraising stuff going on to try to uh, pay for legal fees and try to help these people out. But And it's tragic, and I, my heart goes out to them. But we got lucky with January 6th. Oh, right. No, because it, was, it was a failure on the, on the side of the, the Fed honey trap side of the status yes. that, that they attempted to pull off. Yeah, for yes. Sure. I think that the feds wanted it to be worse, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. And everybody on the right said, whoa, that, you know, that was a close that one. That was a close one. We could have really screwed things up right there. And now everyone knows not to do that. Hopefully. Do not do that. Do not get your gun and go cause violence. That's what they want. They have their finger in your face. They're like, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. And they want you to react, right? It's just like a big brother doing that to you. And here was a great example. We didn't really react. I shouldn't say we. The people that went there, you know, barely reacted. They were led inside. And we all know... All, all of the, the Fed involvement in that. And they they created this trap, and the trap didn't spring, and they just barely caught a few people. And now they're throwing the book at it. They're trying to make it just the worst thing that's ever happened, you know? And it really wasn't that bad. So just keep that in mind. Do not react. We can right. fight these people without fighting them with violence. Mm-hmm. 
And this thing that happened with the Grammys, it just puts the biggest smile on my face because it shows we are actually fucking winning. And they are telling us that we're not. Right. When they're, it's like so obvious that she's wrong about everything she said in that, right? And she, they're still telling us. And every time a uh, the the Grammys was basically a media based Potomkin village. It was, you know, you have this just complete clown show. Everyone I know watched it. Like this is just ridiculous. Like who is who is into this? You know, I know a few people that were enjoyed it or whatever, but they. Uh, I think the vast majority of people are like, I just this has no relevance to my life, like whatsoever. And the media just in lockstep, I mean, as they're supposed to do, that's what the arm of the cathedral does, is they go, It was amazing. It was and this is a metaphor for like the culture turning and like, you know, as Joy Reed is saying, like we won. Like we yeah. finally won. And eighty percent of America goes like what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. This is so insanity. Take heart. When you hear the worst things from people like her or you, you read it in the New York Times and it um, it just infuriates you. You're like, God damn these people. Like actually think of it this way. We're winning and they're pissed off about it. Mm-hmm. And they're you know we're winning because they're going to come out and just boldface lie to you. Just put a smile on your face. Put a smile on your face like that kid from Coventry Catholic did when they got in his face and tried to make him react the same way. That Indian got in his face and was banging that drum, and the media went after him to try to ruin him, and he just stood there and smiled. Mm-hmm. And that kid's rich now. Yeah. <laughs> okay? So be that kid in this situation. There is so much evidence that we are winning the culture war. You don't have to look very far. I mean, just take, like, public schools, for example. Mm-hmm. Something that we know is basically a indoctrination camp for the make an obedient entire workers. youth. Yeah, exactly. You're turning the entire youth of America into obedient workers slash slaves. 1.45 million students left public schools last year from 2021 to 2022. Yeah. That's a 3.3% decrease. Oh, I'm sorry. From 2020 to 2021. Um, people are fleeing blue states. Almost every blue state lost like a half a percent of its yeah. population. Yeah, California, I think, is number one on that list. Yeah. We had a a loss of 330,000 people last year, but do then when they bounced it out with the open border. It, it, I think it turned out to be 80,000 people off the top of my head, yeah. something like that. I mean, how you can accurately quantify those numbers is kind of impossible, but yeah, just – I mean, I, of the people I've known pers- personally that have left the state, they're just like, I'm, I'm out of here. Like, I, I can't deal with this anymore. That's something that you and I and our friends have toggled with constantly. I was like, should we stay? Like, should we, you know, why should I leave my home? Like, we got to stay here. It's, it's a, the, or, you know, if, so to break that down on a smaller level, like how many people have fled the Bay Area, San Francisco? Like I know, I lost count of the amount of people that have moved into our area because we're basically mm-hmm. the closest semi-rural place outside of San Francisco. Yeah, and the amount of people that just let you know they had moved up here. Yeah, if you leave San Francisco, you can't go south. You can't go east because you're in like big cities and can't go west unless if you're you a go pirate. west. Then yeah, <laughs> 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 so. 
So yeah, we're like the next stop, and then above us, you go north from uh, from here. It just gets more and more. Rural. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're even seeing the smaller towns that used to be nothing. But when I was a little kid, because I used to come down here because I grew up as you did in way way northern California. Like you know, people call San Francisco, yeah, NorCal. Like no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> so we grew up in Humboldt County, which is actually northern California. But we come down here for soccer tournaments and all these towns that were nothing but a before they rerouted the highway were nothing but gas stations. There'd be a gas station and a convenience store. And that was it. Now they're like kind of booming towns. And that's because of the migration coming south. Everyone's, you know, coming, leaving the Bay Area going like, I just, I can't live like this anymore. I, yeah. I, I need some peace and serenity and just lack of crime in my life. <laughs> yeah. And even yeah, even people that are on the left or previously on the left, yeah. they're they're not looking necessarily for conservative minded neighbors, but they they want to leave all of the garbage that's yeah. in San Francisco, yeah, and the East Bay. Um, it's a microcosm for the other states like Idaho and Florida and Texas, Montana. You know, people from California are just fleeing there. Or, and the other blue states. So I'm going to play two clips here back-to-back that kind of also relate to what we're talking about. This is Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, jeez, guy. <laughs> talking to uh, Chris Wallace. Are you trying to ruin my night? Chris Wallace. <laughs> I'm making your night, bro. <laughs> Talk about your and you've used this phrase as the path of most resistance. Uh, a young black kid from the Bronx becoming an astrophysicist. How tough was that path, and how important do you think it has been for people of color to see Neil deGrasse Tyson in the place that you occupy? Uh, I will invert that and say, how important is it for white people to see me where I am? That's a way more important force operating, especially if... That is the community that wields resources and opportunities. And if you see a black homeless person in the street and you never saw a black academically achieved other human being, you're prone to say, oh, that's just their lot in life. But now you'll see me and you'll see the, the black homeless person and you have to like deal with that. It's like, oh my gosh, there but for the lack of opportunity goes, you know, you, you a get lot to of people. a lot of people. So I just want to put that up front. It was a path of most resistance because, uh, yes, I was also physically fit and athletic. And you see a black person who is that, particularly in the day, it's, you should be an athlete. And that just simply fulfills people's um, bin that they would put you because they've never seen your kind do anything else. And my father, who was active with the civil rights movement and a sociologist, He had way worse life uh, encounters than I did dealing with society, and he was never bitter. He said, these people don't know better. That's how they were raised. Have a conversation. Show them what's possible. And so I've carried that with me ever since. I've never been bitter. It just is, and I'll deal with it. Uh, it, it's, It's force... To have me achieve that much more, to the extent that that ever becomes visible and will matter to anyone. See, white people, black people can be astrophysicists. 
So this clip struck me as the most idiotic thing to come out of that guy's mouth. And he said some stupid things. I, I got to, just before we go too far in this conversation, I got to just admit my bias that you hate. I was people. someone that was fairly agnostic about Neil Grasta Tyson. It's a guy, he's an astrophysicist guy. Seems to know what he's talking about, and he's on Joe Rogan every once in a while. And and then since he has come out on Bill Maher uh, post-COVID on Joe Rogan and some other shows, was he on Sam Harris? I don't know. Anyway, hmm. the uh, he is a complete shill and vaccine salesman. And so just as I have lost some friends – you know, due to the vaccine nonsense. And now a race hustler. I'm not, yeah, I'm not interested in anything you have to say. Me neither. Yeah. What is so, what I love about this clip though, is that, and we've, I've said this a bunch, that racism isn't really a thing. Nobody looks at a black homeless person and goes, you see, black people just have to be homeless. They just can't be astrophysicists. Right. That does not exist. Maybe back in the day, maybe in the 50s, there was that kind of bias. But nowadays, no one looks at someone's skin color and decides they can or can't be an astrophysicist or they should or they must or must not be a homeless person. You know, and this kind of race hustling and this Mike Wallace that's given him or Chris Wallace that's uh, that's giving this interview. It's just so Mike Wallace. How old's that interview? <laughs> Mike Wallace is the next clip, so that's why, that's why I'm mixing them up. And so you know, they just—it's just like let's talk about race. And he totally contradicts himself at the end there when he says that my dad said that race doesn't matter. Show him that it doesn't matter. And what is he doing? Bringing it up. He's saying, "I'm going to flip that question on you. What I want to do is show white people that we can be astrophysicists." It's like. No one cares. We got it. You can do anything. It's it, You're talking to 1% of the world who maybe thinks that, or even less, who thinks that because of the color of your skin, you can't achieve someone. No one thinks that. Everyone, and that's why people, we get demonized for saying you need to be responsible for yourself and you know deal with your issues because we don't care what your skin color is. Whoever you are, whether you're a white homeless person or a black homeless person, deal with your shit and stop shitting on the street where I live. Or I'm going to come out with a hose like that guy did out in front of his business, and I'm going <laughs> to spray your ass until you leave. All right? I don't care about your skin color. I care that you're being homeless in front of my fucking business. And just to emphasize that a little bit more, here is Morgan Freeman with Mike Wallace. Black History Month, you find... Ridiculous. Why? You're going to relegate my history to a month? It's from 2006. Oh, well, what do you do with yours? What, which month is white history month? No, well, no, no, come on, tell me. Well, the, I'm Jewish. Okay, Jew. which I'm month is ish. Jewish history month? <laughs> no, there isn't one. Oh, oh, why not? Yeah. Do you want one? No, 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 I, 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 I don't either. I can feel I the white guilt coming much. through my head. <laughs> How are we going to get rid of commercial? Stop talking about it. Stop talking about it. I'm going to stop calling you a white man. Yeah. 
I'm going to ask you to stop calling me a black man. I know you as Mike Wallace. You know me as Morgan Freeman. You want to say, well, I, I know this white guy named Mike Wallace. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Has anyone ever said it better than that? That's pretty good. Just stop talking about it. We have gone from having this problem basically solved in the 90s. We all were UNITY, let's live together, doesn't matter the color of your skin. Everyone believed that, to just dredging it up and looking for racism anywhere you could find it, to try and create this this problem out of nothing. And it doesn't exist, but they're looking for it anyways. And passing laws and making... uh, uh, political movements into something that that is probably creating racism. Because when you start discriminating against white people, which is happening, and uh, there are bills being proposed that make it illegal for white people to be racist, but not anyone else, and affirmative action, which uh, penalizes white people and Asians based on the color of their skin, based on their ethnicity, penalizes them for just that, just for immutable characteristics that they have. When you start creating legislation about that, uh, around that and and controlling people based on that, yes, you will find racism eventually. I would push back against, I don't know. I don't know if I'm pushing back against what you're saying or I'm actually reinforcing it. I'm actually not thinking about it. I think it's actually reinforcing it is that racism does exist. I grew up with some people that were, I think they thought they were racist because they're just fucking morons. <laughs> but is now yeah. that we saw I did I I remember a very succinct and palpable feeling in the nineties of like we're just gonna forget about this shit, right? Let's just fucking everyone get along. You know, if you're a fucking racist at this point, you're a fucking moron. Like it's not and, that big of a stretch to yeah. to say, to look at someone and say, like, well, your skin color, like I like you. Yeah, you know, like even the people that I know who you're talking about. I mean, I don't know them specifically, mm-hmm. but I know what you what you're saying. Yeah, we have friends in common who have said things to me that are like, you know, black people are just you know bound to be uh, criminals or something right. like that. Those same people have black friends, yeah, or black family members even, right? And they love them and trust them and are you know, not the least bit racist against them. Now, prejudging someone based on the color of their skin, yes, that is racist and that is wrong. Mm-hmm. And those people are wrong for doing that. But those same people who are make up this 0.1% of the world's population or America's population, because mm-hmm. America is probably the least racist place in the world, um, that per- 0.1% who we would say, yeah, okay, they're kind of racist. Even they have friends who are black and love them mm-hmm. and don't, don't consider them less than just because of the color of their skin. Well, I mean, a true <clears throat> racist is someone that says, I like you, but your skin color means that you're inferior. <laughs> okay. And that, even the people that we're talking about, they don't actually think that way when you press them on the people that they know and love who are of another yeah. race. You know, I'm sorry. I know you don't want to talk about racism. <laughs> I forced it into this <laughs> episode, but as you do, huh? <laughs> I know. Are we doing sports after this? <laughs> yes, we are. Actually, <laughs> funny you should bring that up. So, uh, well, I wanted to bring up just one quick point before we move on. Is that you 
we have talked about before and as uncomfortable as this makes people feel is that the race relations all around have gotten considerably worse in the last worse decade. And we have talked about the, the kind of the race hustlers and it's become like a, a, a I don't know what you'd call it. It's become an industry. It's like a, a, a racial industry complex almost at this point. That's a good way to and put it. It's been become, it's one of the most destructive and disgusting things I've seen happen in my lifetime. Yeah. And it is, I, I'm hard pressed to think of an argument that would, people would say like that it hasn't made things worse. It's very obviously has made things worse. And, um, it's, uh, I don't know how you fix it, but it's become a profitable industry and it's, it's heartbreaking to watch. Yeah. Uh, you don't need to fix it. Mm-hmm. That's the good news. And coming back to what I was saying earlier, it's not a problem. Therefore it does not need to be fixed. Okay. What needs to be fixed is people's awareness of the bullshit that they're being fed from the media and the political elites who are in power yeah. right now, thats they're feeding that to you. Don't believe it. Do not believe the hype. This is not happening. Okay? It's all smoke and mirrors. We are not a racist country. We are not all bigots. We are accepting, especially people on the right, I would say. Especially the people that are being demonized for being the things that they say we are, are not those things. I think the race thing is just one arm of a, a basically a concentrated hub that is being propagated and propelled as kind of a larger narrative that's being forced down people's throats because it's, yeah. it's the racing, it's the trans thing, it's the gay thing. And it's the, now it's, now we're now, now the sites are focused on the white right wing extremism and you know the ultra mega Republicans, and you know that latest episode of uh, Liberty Lockdown. I think they really, really nailed that. It's this is being done on purpose. It's being done. We're gonna get so to go back to your point before. I I'm I'm seeing this as a silver lining. It's gotten so 100%. far out there. The narrative has collapsed to such an extent. It's kind of the thing. It's like <clears throat> all of this stuff. All of the, you know, the, the race stuff and the, um, the, 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 you know, the white supremacy and the January 6th and the, you know, the drag queen story hour and all this stuff is that it's this Marxist weird ass, like cultural deconstruction movement that's getting farther and farther and farther. And it doesn't invoke the reaction that they want to have. Right. Right. So it's like, as it's, it doesn't invoke the reaction. It's like an online bully. It's like, I'm yeah. not going to, I'm not going to respond to that. It's like, okay, how about this? It's mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to respond to that. How about this? Eventually, like they're going to poke you to the point, you know, they're going to say something. It's like, I have, I was thinking of this this morning. I don't, I don't know why, but all of this stuff is if you envision this through the prism of like this entire like cultural push from the Marxist left, it's basically the world's largest cultural series of your mama jokes. It's like eventually I'm going to tell them your mama joke that's going to get under your skin and you're going to fucking shove me. And I'm like, hey, oh, he shoved me. Like, let's get him. Like that's how I see these things. That's- what you have to do is just ignore it. It's fucking ridiculous. And the way that I see it, you know, even down to the COVID narrative, when you start seeing things like um, 
you know, heart attack rates are caused by memes and pericardial, you know, stroke rates are going up because of um, the stress caused from the unvaccinated. Like the more outlandish and ridiculous that the fucking narrative becomes, you have to go like, that's because we're winning because we're not buying it. We're just going to stand it. Like you guys just keep going. I'm going to stand on the sidelines. Yep. I'm going to watch you guys spin out of control and get more ridiculous right. and more ridiculous. You're going to put, you know, Joy Reid's going to come on and say, like, we won the cultural war. It's, like, all just ridiculous shit. And we were talking about how, like, seven out of ten performers were trans, which does not re- represent the population whatsoever. It's, like, it's just, like, we, we didn't buy it. We didn't write the articles. You know, the, the, the other side of the culture didn't write the articles. Like, I can't believe this. There was a fucking gay man on the fucking stage. You know what I mean? And it's, like, right. and because that guy doesn't write the article, you spin out and you go like, yeah, it's just, it's making your head explode. Like yeah, we won. Blah, heads blah, blah. in it's the like, red states. Like you created a straw man in your head, this abstraction yeah. of like what you think that we represent, which is fucking based on nothing. And Not even what they false. think we represent, what yeah. you need us to represent in yes. order for your narrative to work. Yeah. And we don't, we don't respond. Yeah. And it, it drives you fucking crazy. And that is so the you'll best do response. Even crazier. You'll do something even like it just, yeah. you guys just get more and more outlandish. And the whole time, like we're watching on the, on the outside going like, hey, fucking clown world, you guys just keep going. Like we're watching this like a circus at this point. Exactly. And you're not going to fucking get in our skin and we're not going to fucking react. And there is so much evidence that we're actually winning. You, you can't look at Joy Reid to know what who's winning in this game, right? What you have to look at is what's do, actually <laughs> what's actually happening. All right, so you know about that Russian uh, hockey player that um, yes, that didn't uh, wear the the gay pride jersey. The gay pride jersey right. didn't skate around with this. Did you hear about the? That's funny. We were, we were having a discussion about this earlier today. Did you hear about the New York Rangers? I did. So the entire New York Rangers hockey team said, we're not doing the, we're not wearing the gay pride shirts. We're not doing the rainbow uh, tape on the, right. on the hockey stick. And they completely went against this bullshit narrative yeah. that's being forced down everyone's throat. That is a beautiful sign that we are winning. Now, if you, you know, contrast that with actually going out and like doing violence against people on the left. Which is a which is a greater victory, right? Right. People just not complying in a very visible way is so powerful, and it is going to work. There are signs around all over that we are winning this stuff, and you just have to look at what the the mainstream narrative is to kind of look at it with an open mind to realize that everything you hear from them is an attempt to either antagonize us or demoralize us. And I want to clarify something for those of you who hate watching. And oh, on a side note, for those of you who hate watching, listen, our numbers keep going up. So appoint one guy to hate watch us and he reports to the rest of you. Don't all hate watch us because yeah, we're getting you're inflating the numbers. Yeah. No, yeah. Just, <laughs> I mean, thank you, but yeah. Yeah. No, we do appreciate it. <laughs> but actually tell your friends. But here's please. here's going back to the issue of the originally was the Russian hockey player going like he was a he was an Orthodox Russian and he goes, No, it's against my religion. I'm just not gonna do this. Yeah. And he goes I think he even went out of his way to say like I d I don't have a problem, you know, you do with what you want your life, but I can't it's it goes against my religion. And so the New York Rangers came as came came out and said like we're not going to we're we're not going to do this. We're not gonna wear the, the gay pride jersey. And for those of you that 
get upset and fucking start pounding on your keyboards and going to Twitter that people are celebrating that. It's not has nothing to do. We're not going like, yeah, because like, we don't believe in gay rights or trans rights or something like that. It's what it is. It's mandated behavior. So the perfect metaphor for this is watching the, the trajectory of someone like Jordan Peterson. He was a darling of the left. He was a college um, clinical psychology uh, professor in Montreal, I believe. And so, a clinical psychologist. Clinical psych- psychologist, yeah. And Canada had on the books to pass uh, compulsory speech laws that if you were to misgender someone, you could be fined and eventually jailed. And he goes like, no, you can't have compulsory speech laws like that's like that's what a fascist society actually does that's complete authoritarian regime you can't control people's language and that was his turning point moment which ironically directed him into wild fame and stardom and ended up pushing (laughs) him onto the blaze network i hope you guys are happy on the left no uh not the blaze (laughs) not the blaze no uh the one with uh ben shapiro oh uh daily wire yeah yeah thank you and this that's what this that's what this is about with the, the the hockey teams, the New York Rangers and this Russian hockey player. It's like you can't Ivan Provorov. Thank you. You can't like if you are for freedom of speech and freedom of expression, you can't go to people like you bend the knee. This is the thing. Yeah. Because so because if you do think you are so passionately like righteous in your beliefs that this was a thing to do and like no you will yeah like you will stand up for gay rights like okay like so where does it stop then and this is i know this is a slippery slope argument but like okay let's say that you are anti-war and like no and then next month is you wear a patch that says i support the troops right where does it stop like that's keep going and going and going and going that's the thing that's so great about our philosophy. Mm-hmm. This idea of don't fucking make people do anything. Yes, let them make their own decisions. Exactly. Total. You, volu- sign, you signed a contract with the NHL or the NFL, or the NBA, whatever it is, and you your your contract is to wear the jersey of that team. That's where it stops. Cancer. The the cancer. Uh, you know, was it the pink bands? Mm-hmm. Like my family was devastated by fucking cancer. It's like at no point would I demand someone that wears fucking pink bands for a fucking month of right. football games. I mean, the libertarian philosophy is that everyone should be left alone. You don't see us going around forcing people to do anything. We're not forcing people to own guns. Mm-hmm. We're saying we want to own guns. We're not forcing people to, to In fr- Minecraft to free drive. Well, we used to own guns till we lost them all in that, that boating tragic accident. boating accidents. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. Jeez. Someday we should go dive down to the bottom of that lake and try to find them. We are voluntarists, you know, at heart. Mm. It, your system, this idea of uh, taxation and public schools and public libraries and public streets and public everything, only works if you force all of us to participate with guns. Yeah. Because if you don't have the guns, then you, you can't force us. So the only way your system works is by forcing us into it at the threat of death and imprisonment and ruining our lives. Our system, it works perfectly. And it's all voluntary, right? It is a completely voluntary system. That is what we're advocating for. Everyone, leave everyone else alone. Oh, what about the roads? I guarantee you, 
if I have a product to sell you and you want to purchase it, I'm going to figure out how to get a road from my house yes. to your house. It is not going to be a problem. I couldn't tell you on the back of an envelope how that solution is going to be. You, you but it, th- th- it has been thought of by many people much smarter than me. In fact, uh, is it F.A. Hayek that wrote a book <clears throat> about like roads specifically? Anyways, getting... God damn, the fucking roads. Why does it always lead to this rabbit hole of fucking bullshit arguments? It's either that or the Federal Reserve, you know. <laughs> so, on, you know, I just, I, I really feel like there's some positivity to take away from what's going on in the world right now. And, you know, if you want to know how to combat the psychopaths who are trying to ruin all of our lives through the media and through this um, democratic government that we have that's just spiraling deeper and deeper into just darkness and out of control. I think that you're probably already doing it. You've taken your kids out of public school. You are um, raising your children to be the – um, the elites that we need in society to uh, to lead us into a better form of existence. You're already taking care of your family. You're doing all the things that the people on the the statists on the left, in particular, um, hate. Just keep doing it. Keep being that kid from Coventry Catholic, smiling in the face exactly. of them. Yes, Sandman. That's right. Smiling in their face as they're beating this this drum, this drum of the mainstream media telling you that they've won, telling you that you're a racist, telling you you're a bigot. Just keep smiling in their face and know and trust that you're doing the right thing. And I just want to play one last clip here of Mike Malice talking to um, Dave Rubin. On his show, did you happen to listen no. to that? So this is Michael Malice. He wrote a book recently called "The White Pill." Yes, reason for optimism, right? Right. This is him defining what the pills are, <laughs> uh, and talking about why we should be optimistic. I think you'll like this. All right. So I want to finish with a, a technical part of the pilling of America. Yes. So you people generally know. Let's describe each pill for a second. So okay. We, okay. So blue pill first. Let's talk about if, this because this yeah. also another one drives me crazy. Yeah. People so are like, oh, there's too many pills. Yeah. Okay. If you can understand, I like the clown pill lately. That's been big on the clown if, pill. But. If you can understand a traffic light which yeah. has three, <laughs> if that's too much for you, I'm sorry, I can't help you. For everyone else, yes. It's two sets of pills. It. Okay. The red pill and blue pill. Yeah. The red pill is the belief that that which is presented as factual by the corporate press is in reality a carefully constructed narrative designed to keep some very unpleasant people in power. That's the red pill. Thank you, Morpheus. Okay, yes. That's Morpheus, Yes. Right? Yeah. The blue pill is the view that the experts are generally good people who sometimes make mistakes but should be deferred to and listened to, and what we see in the media is by and large factual and truthful and can be relied upon even though sometimes they make mistakes but they do their best to correct those mistakes, right? Okay. The black pill is, it's a wrap. It's done. America, the West and or America is a lost cause. Yeah, we're going to have some small victories along the way, but given whatever trajectory the person speaking wants, we can't turn the ship around. There's no hope in trying. The white pill is, it's not possible 
to look at the enemy class and say, we can't win against these people. And, and when you put in those terms, to me, it's almost ridiculous not to be white-pilled. Right, it's, it's actually very empowering, right? Yes. Uh, and the, I'm sorry, just one more thing. The reason I wrote, one of the reasons I wrote the book is people are like, how are you so optimistic about America? I'm like, because, you know, that line, history doesn't repeat, it rhymes. Yeah. We've seen worse people who had more control, who were more intelligent and more um, evil and willing to go further. They lost, and they lost relatively quickly and easily. That is fascinating. Right? I am so glad I just heard that. Good. <laughs> that should put me in a really good mood. Good. That's Take actually, but I mean, a, not in a hoorah kind of way, but that is that is really um, articulate and very well put, I would say. I, I thought it was fascinating. I think we're fucking winning. Just keep doing what you're doing. Do not react. Let them stick their finger in your face. Do not end up in prison because you were some dumbass that went to January 6th, all right? That is not the way to go, and we've seen that. They, Thankfully, those people sacrificed themselves at January 6th for us to see, but now you know. Don't do that, all right? We're gonna win. The tide is turning, and we are going to take this thing back, and I'm fucking, I'm feeling optimistic. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs>